This is the Tech Arts Podcast, where we talk about tech, leadership, and all things that concern church audio, video, and lighting. Welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast and the Earthworks Audio Studios. My name is DL, so glad to have you along for the ride. Today's going to be a little bit of a longer episode. We thought about making it a two-parter, but felt uh, we just felt better about leaving it longer as it had so much good stuff in it. Here's what you're about to experience. You're about to see a full demo of MXU, plus an amazing and informative conversation with Jeff Sandstrom. He gets into his take on waves, audio mixers, PA, mics, and more. This will benefit you and your tech team. But first, we got some free stuff to give away. Today, we're giving away two Earthworks SR117 wired microphones and a one-year membership to MXU Basic. To win, all you have to do is email us at information at digitalgreatcommission.org. That's information at digitalgreatcommission.org. MXU Basic allows you to recruit, onboard your volunteers, teach courses, and train your team on all things tech, while the Earthworks SR117 microphone is a game changer for vocal mics. You have to have this one in your toolkit. It's clear, has tons of gain before feedback, and it just sounds good. So to win, email us at information at digitalgreatcommission.org and say, give me my free stuff. Once again, that's information at digitalgreatcommission.org. Let's get this podcast going. It's time for today's church tech tip. Have you ever heard of MXU? Well, let me tell you what it is. MXU is software tools and training videos that help churches recruit, train, and retain their volunteer teams. The Tech Arts Podcast very much believes in this product, so much so that we have given away several of the MXU basic memberships to churches around the country, but we have never talked about it on the podcast, so today we're going to do just that. Matter of fact, we're not only going to talk about it, we are going to demo it. To help us with this demo is Chief Executive Officer of MXU, Spencer DeYoung. Spencer, welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. Super glad to be here. Yeah, it's so glad to have you on today. And uh, we, I know we got Jeff coming up here in a little bit to talk more about MXU and, and leadership and some tech stuff and all that. But I wanted to jump into a demo with you. So tell us about the product and kind of jump in and show us how it works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as you already teed it up beautifully for me, um, you know, MXU, we are passionate about helping churches recruit, train, and retain their volunteer teams. Uh, those who have followed MXU for some time now know that we've kind of been seen as the leading training provider in the church production space. Um, and over the past couple of years, we've made um, quite a few uh, enhancements to the platform to also help churches and production teams specifically recruit um, and retain their volunteers at the same time. We believe, you know, something we found is helping folks just train. They often uh, ran up against the problem of then people leave and they got to go train somebody new. What if we could stop that vicious cycle of uh, volunteer turnover? So we'll dive in here quickly. You know, the MXU platform is uh, filled with almost a thousand videos now, uh, ranging on all levels, skill levels of audio, video, and lighting production, specifically targeted at the um, use case in churches, right? And so 
We've got uh, those videos that can be included in courses here where you can master uh, topics like the Allen & Heath SQ7 and there's um, a collection of videos that make up that course curriculum. Uh, and then we also have topics that you can explore and so you can dive into MXU and whether you're an audio um, team member or you're interested in leadership even or video or lighting, you can go in and explore the wide range of topics we have on MXU. So if you want to uh, dive into vocals and the topic of audio, you can go here and discover all the training we have available there. Now you went you went past it really quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, my familiarity with MXU is it's a bunch of videos, kind of the Netflix of training videos. Yeah. And when we when we did kind of a pre-interview of a few days ago, and I, I got to see all that it does. I realized you guys are going to the next level of training and teaching. And you just mentioned courses. Dive into that a little bit more for us, because I think the courses, and I know there's some other features on this that you want to get to, but the courses are a big deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, at MXU, we find that uh, there's kind of a, a golden time period for training videos of five to 10 minute videos. You can see most of these videos in fact, all of them are just at, at or under the 10 minute mark. We know that in live production, uh, there are topics like, you know, studying public address systems, PAs, that's going to be longer than a 10 minute video. And, and oftentimes folks want to go in and learn um, in kind of a chronological order, right? And so they want to know, okay, sound systems overview here. Um, how do PA systems work? Mono versus stereo, right? These these principles that can be fairly quick in a, in a single video, but the power of them in a collection together, um, we find is, is a, a meaningful difference for those who are serving in the church who might not always know where to start. You know, when you log into MXU, there's a lot here. And you might go, man, I'm just, I'm really not sure. And there's, and it can be a bit overwhelming, but, you know, I'm going to look through courses here and oh, I'm new to audio, I'm gonna go check out this intro to audio course. And that's a great way to kind of get your feet wet on the MXU platform. Yeah, it helps you navigate. And then for people like me who can only watch things for three to five minutes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it keeps yep. us engaged throughout the yep. whole entire course. Yep. That's so cool. Precisely. And so now for those who really wanna know what is under the hood of this thing called MXU, they can go in and they can say, man, I'm a, I wanna learn complex topics. I'm going to filter by 301 and I'm specifically interested in audio and I just want to look at videos. What videos do you guys have? Not courses or topics. And you go in and you can filter view and see everything that MXU has to offer in that category. Um, now, what we're, what we're really excited is being able to be uh, moving into the season of being able to be kind of a tool in the tech director or audio director or team leaders tool belt, right? And that's why we have developed um, onboarding and assignments. You know, I will touch on onboarding quickly. And, you know, let's say you wanted to get, uh, I'll go to a board that actually has some things on it. Uh, you wanted to get new volunteers onboarded to your team. You can develop your own customized onboarding process for your team, right? So that might mean, um, you know, you have, you, before you schedule somebody or you start training them, you just want to go out to coffee and get to know them. And then when it comes time to welcome them to your team and get them their initial training curriculum, you can automate, you know, sending an assignment to that new volunteer, so on and so forth. That leads me to assignments. Uh, assignments. So this is so. Go back to that screen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is a is a path. 
Correct. I mean, this is a game changer, Spencer. I mean, yeah. like you're not throwing a bunch of content at them. You're giving them a path that they can walk through. And the, the layout of this is very clean, easy yep. to follow. I can see right away what I'm doing, where I'm doing it, if I'm kind of managing this. This is this is amazing. I, I yeah. got to give you kudos on this. That this this takes the MXU platform that I knew from a year or two ago, and really changes it to something that a tech director can wrap his head around and really onboard people with. Yeah, we're super excited. Thank you. I, you know that means a ton. We. It, I, I should have even mentioned prior. You know this also helps that tech director take a greater level of personalization with the people that they are responsible and stewarding, right? So keeping notes on your people on your team, right? And um, simple contact information and history to know when did you have that coffee meeting? Um, when did they, uh, you know, graduate to the next stage, so on and so forth. So there's a lot there and a lot to come that we're very excited about. I want to I want to finish off here with assignments. Um, you know, there's so much we weren't able to dive into. Custom course, the ability to create a custom course in MXU, the ability to upload your own custom content for your team to pair alongside MXU. There's so much here to unpack. But for the sake of time, we'll we'll finish here with assignments. You know, assignments is uh, where we feel like MXU can be of most value to the tech director when it comes to managing their team on a week in week out basis. Uh, let's say you upload your own custom course to MXU, but it's just living there. You don't necessarily know how do I deploy this curriculum out to my team and assignments would be the way you do that. And so you can see here, uh, I've assigned this collection of videos. It can be a collection of videos, courses, whatever that exists in MXU on the content side can be added to an assignment. You can see I assigned this to Eric two months ago. This is the progress that he's made through this assignment. Um, so I know exactly where he is in his learning. I can follow up and nudge him uh, to keep him moving along that assignment. So we really believe that it isn't just about great content and great training, but great deployment of that training. And that's where historically we've seen there be a gap um, on production teams, right? Finding excellent training is hard enough with uh, the suffocation of content these days out there on the internet. But Man, if you can find great content, great training for your team, and then have a solution to actually deploy that training um, in a form that serves the volunteer well and makes your job manageable. So, we're, yeah, we're very excited. We're also just getting started. So Yeah, you said something there that I think is key. Uh, you said that you can upload your own videos, like you can record and upload your own videos? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, in MXU... Um, you're giving me more time than I thought I had, so I love this. I'm gonna, I'll just keep going, and you tell me when I'm done, David. But uh, yeah, you know, our this video here. I think our team decided there is a video the key to my problems. I have yet to watch it, but this uh, is an example of a custom video that we have uploaded to our instance here at MXU. But this could be, you know, a welcome video to your team. It could be the specific uh, process in a certain room of your church to get front of house up and running. Uh, really, whatever whatever you need to specific process or message you need to get across to your team, you can do that through custom content in MXU. You can add your own artwork and description so it's searchable to uh, your team in MXU and can appear alongside the rest of the content that MXU has to offer. 
That is so cool. Yeah, I told uh, Spencer, I said, you got three minutes. <laughs> so he was trying to fly through it all. But, uh, you know, we went over some of this a few days ago, and I just, I'm really excited about it. And the fact that you can upload your own content means that, you know, your volunteers in your church are, are seeing you. They're seeing the DNA of the church. They're not necessarily seeing all these people they don't recognize. They're seeing you tying things together with assignments and courses uh, it's just a really cool product. How, how do we get a hold of it? How do people sign up for this, Spencer? Yeah, yeah great question. So you can go to getmxu.com and you can sign up for free. And uh, if you're just wanting to figure out what the platform might have to offer you and get your hands on some of this, sign up for free. Just your email and your name will get you right into the product. And you can click around from there and even watch some videos for free as well. Um, and if you have any questions, you can reach out to our support team at support at getmxu.com. You can reach out to us on Instagram. Um, and we've got a YouTube page as well where you can check out more of our content. So if you want to recruit, train, and retain your volunteers, I stole your tagline there, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to recruit, train, and retain your volunteers, make sure you check out MXU at getmxu.com. That's getmxu.com. This online portal will help you better yourself and your team. So go to get mxu.com today to find out more. Spencer, thanks for coming on and giving us an amazing demo of MXU. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, David. It's been a pleasure. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll be talking to Jeff Sandstrom about sound consoles, what PA he recommends, Waves plugins, more about MXU, and we talk about how even techs are worship leaders. You don't want to miss this uplifting and interesting talk. It all starts after these messages from our sponsors. Hang on. Thank you for listening to the Tech Arts Podcast. Be sure to tell all your friends about us. Give them the website techartspodcast.com to find out more. More great content is coming up right after this. Our main sponsor is Digital Great Commission Ministries. Whether you need help building a team, finding the right gear, or just better understanding the church tech world, DGCM is here for you. Because they are a 501c3 donor-sponsored organization, they come to your church for free and do an assessment of your tech, visitor engagement, and online streaming. Plus, we give away free gear. Be sure to go to audiovideolighting.com and register your email today. This will sign you up for all of the free giveaways and give you first access to everything we offer for free. If you want free resources, training, or consulting, contact Digital Great Commission Ministries today by going to audiovideolighting.com. That's audiovideolighting.com. Welcome back. And now, please welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast, the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Sandstrom. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> I'm not sure about legend. Maybe it's more of a myth, but thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I got a question for you, man. Do you like baseball? I love baseball. I really do. I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, and this season was uh, quite a disappointing venture into the playoffs. You know, we were so good in the regular season and had such high hopes for a World Series ring again and just completely crashed and burned in the playoffs. I was so frustrated. Well, uh, my whole family's Atlanta Braves fans, so I felt their pain, but I live out here in Dallas. 
Yeah. And so I'm a Rangers fan. Well, the fact that the Rangers beat the Astros was awesome. So good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear you're not a Houston fan. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I had a cool, I talked about it on the last podcast. I got to take my son and my wife to game one of the World Series. Oh, that's awesome. And if you, if you know, you were under a rock out there, game one, they tied it at the bottom of the ninth. They hit a walk off in the bottom of the 11th. It was, I mean, that doesn't happen in baseball very often at all, let alone in the World Series. So it was, I I had a blast. You got extra baseball and a win. I mean, that's two great things right there. Yeah. But my son, you know, he's not, he wasn't really a baseball fan. Now he's walking around with the Rangers hat on all the time. He's like, dad. The hot dogs were great. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, though. It's like a lot of things. You know, once you experience it in person, it's a completely different perspective from that point forward. Like just last weekend, I took my daughter to uh, Michigan. Uh, University of Michigan is my alma mater. And so we went up there so that she could go to her first football game in the big house. Well, it's the largest stadium in the country. In November, it's like, you know, it's cold outside. It's the perfect, like, college football environment. And she was a fan before, but we came home, and she was, like, wearing her sweatshirt every day and talking about the players. And it's a completely different thing when you're there in person. Yeah, I think with with sound, the term is immersive. Like, they try their best with, you know, Dolby, surround sound, all that on television, but it just can't capture what it's like. Yeah. When a hundred thousand people roar, uh, when a when a pass is caught or a baseball's yeah. hit out of the stadium, it's uh, it's that immersive feeling that you yeah. get uh, that just kind of draws you in. Yeah, and you're completely swept up in the emotion too. It's like the people around you are high fiving you, and you're hugging perfect strangers. It's like this doesn't happen in my house. This only happens uh, in that kind of environment, which is which is very cool. And maybe one day it'll happen in church. Uh, maybe, maybe not with church tech folks though. I'm not sure. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're like, should we high five? Should we? <laughs> well, Jeff, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I know who you are. Um, I think a lot of people know, you know, what you do with MXU, but there's some out there that are listening, uh, particularly some pastors that listen to our podcast that are like, who's, who's Jeff and, and what does he bring to the table? So let's see. I grew up in the church. Uh, my dad was a pastor. Uh, actually, uh, minister of music. You know, before before they called them worship leaders, they had ministers of music, and so he, that's what he was. Uh, pretty pretty traditional in terms of instrumentation. It was just piano and organ with a choir. So I was involved in music all through my growing up. I was in the church every time the doors were open, and we sang as a family. And so I was very much involved in music. And so um, got a degree in music from the University of Michigan and then moved to Atlanta, um, I realized I wasn't really going to have much success performing. So I decided uh, the production side was kind of what I was really captivated by. uh, Michigan, during my junior year, had started a music technology program. They built a big recording studio, and I took took a couple recording classes, kind of got bitten by the bug there, and so moved to Atlanta to work in a recording studio after college. So um, the involvement in that studio led to meeting a bunch of the team that was starting North Point Community Church in Atlanta at the time. So I got involved in what they were doing, and it was amazing for me to see 
how they were able to use um, technology and tools that were extremely relevant to meet people where they were, to create environments for people to experience Jesus in a new way. And so that led to meeting a bunch of the crew around passion conferences. And so then in 2005, I volunteered for the production team at Passion for the first time. Then by 2007, I was mixing for Passion, which led to meeting all the artists on the Six Steps Records label, which at the time were Chris Tomlin, Charlie Hall, Matt Redman, and David Crowder. So we were doing the conference one year, and uh, the guy who was mixing front of house for Chris at the time was leaving. So Chris asked me if I would take his place. And I said, no, I'm, I'm fine in the studio. I'm fine doing the stuff at my church. My daughter was nine months old at the time. And I said, yeah, I really don't want to go on the road. So he said, well, why don't you come and fill in for some dates that we already have booked? And then we'll see if we can find somebody else. I said, great, I'll do that. Well, it took nine and a half years to find somebody else. So I was on the road with Chris uh, as his front of house engineer for uh, over uh, around a thousand shows, I think, 30 countries all over the world. Um, so not a lot was, of shows. <laughs> it, it was a couple, yeah. Um, and it was really kind of the highlight of my career, honestly, to be a part of what they were doing, um, not just in terms of selling out arenas and you know, putting on big shows and conferences, but um, to really help be a part of the team that was bringing songs like How Great Is Our God and Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone and Your Grace Is Enough and Jesus Messiah, all those songs around that time that the church used to give voice to people to worship. I mean, that that really is Chris's passion and his heart for songwriting is to really give a voice for people to experience worship. And so I'm so grateful to him and to the team for allowing me to be a part of that because um, it really helped me see kind of not just the concert stage, but the ins and outs of a lot of churches too. And so that led to kind of a passion for okay, how can I help church teams who might be struggling as well? So, because um, I saw really kind of a gap between what happens on stage and what happens at the booth or um, production folks who are really trying to raise the bar for excellence, but they get caught up in excellence being the goal in and of itself instead of how do I help facilitate what's happening on stage in uh, helping people experience worship. So that basically brought you to MXU, which one of my questions was, what's your passion? And um, it sounds like your passion is is not just the technical side of things, but the people side of things. So yeah. So kind of help us understand how does how does MXU, you know, we had a demo earlier, so we were able to see a lot of MXU. Um, but what's driving the path of MXU? What is it? you know, how is it aligning with your passion of, of not just teaching texts, but it sounds like your passion of, of helping people as well and, and, and what they're doing and how they're doing it. Yeah. So there, there is so much to be done in terms of teaching people how to twist the knob. I think, you know, there really is, you know, huge value in that. I want people to be as good at what they do as they can be, especially as a volunteer on a team you know, a person who is a teacher during the week or an accountant or a dentist, and then they come in 
every four or five or six weeks to serve on their production team at church, whether they're, you know, loading graphics to come on the screen or whether they're running a camera or mixing front of house. Um, I want them to be skilled up in a way that gives them confidence and command of the technology. And, you know, they can walk away feeling like they contributed to the service or the event, but excellence in and of itself, um, can quickly turn into just expectations that are too high. Um, you know, if, if perfection is the goal, then that can become an idol. You know, how many volunteers on a team never miss a cue that that's not going to happen. So if, if the goal, if par for the day is you're going to be perfect, you're not building people. You're, you're just really trying to execute a task in a fairly impossible way. And so how can we turn the production team into a place where people feel like, man, this is an irresistible place to serve. And I know that I'm growing spiritually, not just technically. I'm growing relationally, not just in my skill. Um, I really think that for too long, I saw um, production teams as some of the most spiritually vulnerable people on campus because they were so busy just looking at a cue sheet, trying not to miss what's next, that they run the risk of missing what God has for them in those moments. And that happened to me too many times personally in my working with, with Chris and others. It's like, you know, I, I felt like, well, I'm sitting in front of Chris Tomlin every night. So I'm, I'm, I can check the box. I'm going to church. I'm involved in this because, you know, I'm feeling the music and the emotion of what Chris is communicating. And so I'm good. And it, you know, I've told the story before, but it's like, God kind of hit me with an anvil and said, you know what? Worship by proxy is not what I've called you to. Where is your heart in this? Where is your personal worship in the middle of all this? Because watching Chris worship, watching Chris lead people is not the same as your worship. So how are you going to be a part of this team in such a way that builds your faith and builds your character and builds your trust in me and all of those things? Yeah, I, I think a lot of churches, they have the women's ministry and they have the men's ministry and then they have the tech department. Yeah. They have the single ministry. They have this ministry, that ministry, and then they have the tech department. And what I like about the path that you guys are taking with MXU and some of what we do as well at Digital Great Commission Ministries is we want the tech department to become a tech ministry. Yeah. At the end of the day, if it's not a small group, that's inviting for people to come in, you're, you're first off going to have trouble recruiting volunteers. <laughs> totally. But secondly, it's going to be buttons and faders and people don't want to come to do buttons and faders, at least at church. They want to yeah. come to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. Well, buttons and faders are fun for a while. Um, it really is like, especially if you're technically minded and you like gear and you're, you know, you've got a home theater set up that's cool and you're into computers and technology. It's like, man, the buttons and faders are awesome, but there's a, there's a stopping point to that sort of, I don't know the, the uniqueness of that, because, you know, when you're in the heat of it and you're in the middle of your 17th Christmas rehearsal for your 18th performance and you're just grinding, if it's only about the buttons and faders, then it's, it's, it's pretty fleeting. Now that's not to say that there aren't seasons that are busy and I, I totally get that. And that's awesome. 
But especially for a pastor, you know, I would say, you know, it's important to see your tech ministry, your production team, your tech team, whatever you call your tech arts department as more than just a, an extension of facilities or more than just an extension of it. It's like, these are people who are charged with creating an environment with the team on stage that facilitates worship. And it really is, um, you know, creating space for people to experience what God has for them. And that's way bigger than just pushing a button and pushing a fader. It's like, man, if, if you're not on board missionally with what we're called to do, then the environment's going to suffer. And I believe it's going to be less effective in drawing people in to take a step in their faith. So why not cast vision for the production team that you are a worship leader? Just as much as the person downstage center with the microphone, you're tasked with helping us create an environment for people to experience Jesus. And so then if that volunteer comes in and realizes that that's their task, they're going to be as good as they can be behind the gear and they're going to try really hard not to miss a cue. Yeah. Because not missing a cue, that's not the goal. The goal is how can I provide an, an impactful distraction, free engaging environment that people can experience God, man, I'm going to be on my toes. I'm going to be eyes up, not staring at the cue sheet, but staring at the stage, making sure I know how to manage this next transition. Like those are the kinds of things that we're trying to cast vision for. So, you know, we really, we really do like partnering with senior leaders who can sort of understand that as the value and, and help that become a part of the vision for their ministry. Because that's where people are going to be really engaged. Yeah, you, you're basically defining the why behind the button and the fader. 100%. You know, once, once you define the why, especially in today's world with millennials and the younger generation, the why is big to them. Uh, and I would take what you said a step further about them being worship leaders. I would say that they're, the gear is an instrument of worship. 100%. Uh, the, sound, the sound console is the same as an electric guitar or a keyboard. Yeah. It's you know mixing sounds together and putting it out. It's an instrument of worship. Uh, we are an instrument of worship. The camera is an instrument of worship. And we are leading people into worship. Yeah. I've always said, you know, one of the one of the things that I think has served me well in building a mix and mixing for artists that people seem to like um, is I really feel like the console is my instrument. You know, I approach things as a musician more than as a technician. And I feel like I'm playing the faders along with the band. Like they're playing guitar, they're playing drums, they're singing. I'm playing the band. So uh you know, just thinking about it that way has really helped me over the years kind of have a perspective on what my role is, because I'm really in partnership with the team on stage. I'm not just, you know, making sure that nothing breaks, making sure that power stays on, making sure that there's no feedback. No, I'm playing the song along with the band. And that's a huge aspect of what we get to do. So speaking of playing a song, what's your favorite console? What do you like to play the song with? So typically on a, on a big tour or a conference, you know, anytime I have a choice, I'll, I'll kind of lean toward Digico. Um, I love the workflow and, um, just the, the way that console does the math and the way, the way it's laid out ergonomically, you know, we switched, uh, back in 
gosh, it's been over a decade now, probably, I don't know, 2011 or so, we switched from uh, Avid profile consoles to Digico and uh, on the Tomlin tours. And so I just developed a workflow and a comfortability with Digico that has never left. So I really like that. Um, at my church, I mix on the Waves LV1 console, uh, which I really love as well. Uh, anybody who's been to an MXU live event has probably seen that desk. It's a, it's a touchscreen based, plug-in based um, mixing console that is a small form factor, but has a lot of bang for the buck. And I really enjoy that console as well. It's limited to, it's limited to 64 channels. So for some bigger events, it's not ideal, but, um, and it runs on the sound grid audio protocol. So if you're on a Dante network or, um, OptiCore or some other, you know, audio protocol, you have to have a way to convert that either from Dante or Maddie or something to SoundGrid, but there are ways to do that. But anyway, it's, it's a console that I really like as well, but I, I'd say most of my time is spent on one of those two desks. Yeah. I, I used to, so don't take offense to this, but I used to see people on that console and, and kind of make fun of them. I was like, what the heck is that? Well, it's funny around MXU when, when Andrew Stone first saw that thing, he, he referred to it as my DJ rig. He said, <laughs> he would make fun of me all the time. Like, are you going to spin some records now? And How's, how's your little DJ rig going to handle these tracks? But Yeah, that sounds um, like Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I miss that guy so much. Yeah, you mentioned Andrew Stone. He was such a force in what we did in the church industry. Blunt to the point. Uh, you learned from him. Uh, you know, he had a heart and a passion for this. Uh, tell me, you know, I know he was a part of MXU. What, what kind of fingerprint has he put on MXU? You know, the thing that he was able to provide... You know, I always said that um, Andrew had the spiritual gift of sarcasm. You know, he was he was quick witted. He was not afraid to speak his mind, and he wasn't afraid to call things out when they were either foolish or outright wrong. And so, I think some of that voice still exists. I think if you listen to some of the early episodes of the podcast, you'll definitely hear what I'm talking about because he was, you know unfiltered in a lot of ways, which was awesome. Uh, but I also always described Andrew as a burnt marshmallow because there's this sort of tough exterior, but then once you get past that, it's just a big gooey mess inside because his heart was as big as Texas. And he, uh, he was just one of the, one of the kindest, most helpful, most generous people you'd ever want to meet. So, um, unfortunately we lost, we lost him in 2019 um, and we really miss him a lot. Yeah, I miss him too. And and I totally agree with that. He would uh, put his put his arm around me, you know, after he said, man, this is really boring. I said, well, thanks, Andrew. I just got done speaking. And uh, he goes, no, 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 no. He put his arm around me. He said, we need to figure something out better. And um, and we need to make it more entertaining and interesting and, and something that people will want to listen to. And I think MXU, you know, kind of came about shortly after that. And I think you guys have done it. I think you have something uh, that uh, is very interesting uh, that can take people down a path. Um, I can see the new features that you're adding and how they're working in a way to not just be videos that you're watching, but to actually be, you know, a way to get you to an end game of being a better uh, leader and technician. But, you know, Andrew would say this. He'd say, 
Here we have Jeff Sandstrom sitting here and David Loyster, and we haven't talked very much tech at all. So you got to give me some tech stuff. I'm going to ask you a few questions here. Like, what's your what's your favorite PA, man? Let's 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 let the audience know what your favorite PA is. Okay. Um, so this is um, kind of irrespective of our partnership with MXU. Um, I am definitely a fan of DNB. Now, DNB is one of our partners, but it's because their product is so stellar. And beyond that, their people are amazing. And so um, I'm always going to kind of default to a DNB PA. And the great thing is they have solutions all through their product line that are appropriate for any size room and a lot of different budget levels. One thing that I do like about them in that regard is that each of those product lines are voiced very similarly. So if you have, um, you know, a big line array that is complemented by, you know, a really small front fill box or some side fills that are maybe designed for specific control for a certain area of the room, the voicing of the, of the loudspeaker is going to be very similar. So you're not, you don't feel like you're listening to three different things. You feel like you're listening to one product. And so I just, I love the technology and the way they're continuing to innovate through things like soundscape and some of their immersive, um, experimentation that's now become products. Um, I, re I really, I love what they do. Yeah. DMB is, is, I think they're at, they're one of the top products out there, but a lot of churches will say to me, Oh my gosh, you, you know, you're talking about DMB. I'm a big fan of Meyer. So you're talking about DMB you're, you're talking about Meyer. Well, we have L acoustics. Like, do we need to go change? No, there's, you know, probably, you know, Meyer, L Acoustics, DMB, Martin, there's probably four or five that if you're in that area, if you're getting those products, you're in a good space. Especially nowadays, I think, you know, technology has come so far in the way amps are processing the signal and the way the whole ecosystems work. I mean, if you're in that, if you're in that echelon of PA, it's almost like, okay, would you rather drive a Mercedes uh, Lexus or, uh, BMW. I mean, it really is like they're, they're, they're at such a good level. I think, you know, 15, 20 years ago, the actual loudspeaker box itself really did make a difference. Nowadays, I think the playing field is a little more level, um, especially in the larger format, um, expressions of those brands. I think, you know, so-and-so's, eight, 12, 15 inch line array is going to be very similar to their competitors in terms of performance. I think it really does come down to preference and deployment. I think, you know, people don't pay enough attention to room acoustics and they don't pay enough attention to deployment. Let me ask you this question. If you're going to spend your money, because this is what I advise. Let me see if you agree with this. If you're going to spend your money, uh, I say when it comes to PA, don't uh, cheap out on that. Um, invest into that PA because that's going to be with you probably for 15 to 20 uh, years. Yeah. Uh, so the reason why a lot of people say, well, well, David, I don't know if we can afford, you know, L Acoustics, DMB, Meyer. I say, do what you can to get to that level because that's going to be with you for 15 to 20 years. I think there's some other areas where you can kind of pull back on what you're spending, but what's your approach to that? Do you agree with that philosophy? I agree with that for the most part. Yeah. I think, 
you know, it's, it's almost like buying a house, right? It's a long-term investment. Um, it's, it's certainly going to be around longer than your console will probably. Um, so, you know, but I, I would say, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put all my money in a PA and then spend zero budget on acoustics because that's really going to make a difference. You know, room shape, acoustic design, sound absorption, diffusion, you know, the reverb times, all those things matter because physics is not only a good idea, it's the law. And so if, if you have, if you have a mindset where you're just trying to overwhelm the flaws in your room with a bigger PA and not pay attention to the room, then it really doesn't matter what PA you use because the room is still going to be flawed. So I think it's a balance. It really is a balance between spend as much as you can on a good quality PA, but don't sacrifice other aspects like room shape and acoustics design. And then make sure that you have a qualified integrator or manufacturer rep to actually deploy the PA. And they can do it in advance too. They can look at a room, model a room, and tell you where your issues or problems are going to be in advance. Um, So talk a little bit about tuning. Like, you know, um, I I don't recommend that, you know, the average person tunes. Um, I don't tune PAs. Um, I like to bring somebody in who does that for a living, kind of knows how to do it. Um, But when you're on tour, you're out there, you got to make it work. Talk a little bit about tuning. What's your favorite tuning song? Like, you know, it, people, some people are going, what is he talking about when he says tuning <laughs> a PA? Like, help yeah. us understand that a little bit. Yeah, so I think there's there's kind of two aspects. One is what would be the more sort of scientific, you know, actual tuning and time aligning of all the speakers. And then there's a second aspect that's a little more musical that I would refer to as toning the PA. So there's tuning and toning. So I think the tuning uh, is best expressed on a tour anyway in a qualified system tech. You know, that, that's been the role that I've appreciated so much on tours is somebody who understands tools like Smart from Rational Acoustics, who can take measurement mics throughout the room and time align the speakers so that your mains and your side fills and your front fills are all hitting the listener at the same time. Because... If it's not, then that's where, you know, comb filtering and phase problems and the perceived loudness of things really comes into play. Yeah. You're so, also adding more acoustical issues. Right. Right. If, if things are out of time, then you're causing problems for everybody. And then making sure that your subwoofers are in time and all of those things. It's like such an important aspect of the uh, sound system deployment. So it's way more than just EQ. It's, it's EQ and it's tonality, but it's also timing and phase and making sure all those things are aligned in the best possible way. So that's definitely something not to be kind of weighted into lightly. I think you need training in that. I think you need not just a good ear, but you need measurement tools and you know the, the skill to be able to make sure that happens well. On the toning side, that's where personal preference comes into play a little bit. Um, and that's more of a tone shaping and an EQ type scenario. So sometimes you're making up for room anomalies and reflections that you're having to basically mitigate with EQ. And then sometimes it really is just a, an overall preference. So for me, 
know, that's where listening to music comes into play. So on the tuning side, you're listening to a lot of pink noise and you're, you're listening to impulses that are going to help that measurement mic respond in a particular way so that you can tell whether or not things are hitting that microphone at the same time. With the toning piece, that's where you're listening to songs. So in that, I would say it doesn't really matter what song you listen to, but you should have a specific reason for why you care about that song for that purpose. So it's not just a favorite song. It's actually designed to accentuate a certain aspect of tonality. So you might have a song that has a really bright vocal, for example, on the record. So you can see if it sounds too bright in the room that you're in. You might have a song that has a real driving low end. So you can make sure that the low end is responding the way you think it should. Um, for me, you know, I have several songs that I use. Um, there's I Will Remember by Toto, which is sort of a system text standard and gold standard in terms of tone. Um, the tom sounds in that song and the vocal and the way the band kind of comes around the drums in that mix is just a great, like if, if that sounds great in a PA in a big room, then I know things are going to be good that day. Um, there's a song by Bonnie Raitt called, uh, not cause I wanted to, that is just acoustic and her vocal. And for a female vocal to me, that's just a great way to know in terms of vocal tonality and vocal position in a mix, it's just a good check for me to go, okay, how's this PA going to respond to a female vocal? My favorite is, uh, for vocals is Vince Gill. Whenever you come around, there you go. Um, I really like that one for the same reason, because the vocal is just round and warm and present. But if it, if it starts sounding harsh in the room or in the PA, then you know, you're going to have to do some work. So yeah, I, I think it's also important that you know what the song sounds like in a correct PA. Yeah. Um, you just don't throw a song on and, and listen to it and be like, Oh, okay. And we make some changes. Like you need to know, like when I hear that Vince Gill song, I know what those vocals are supposed to sound like and, and how they're going to hit me uh, in a PA. And so I like, I like what you said that toning the room. Um, now you want to be careful with that. You don't want to tone a room every week. That's not right. That's not a part of the process. You know, once no, you get I'm, it, I'm thinking about like on a tour when you're having to do it every day. Yeah. Those are some best practices. But I think if you're in a room all the time, these songs can become just sort of a spot check, right? If it, if it's something, and, and it has to be a song that you know, that you know, that you know really well. In other words, it's not just a, the latest hit on the radio and you thought it was cool. No, is it a song that you know every part? You know the drums, you know the vocal, you know where the guitars are supposed to sit because that's, you know, you have to have a standard against which you're measuring all of the, you know, things that are different in this room versus the last room. So Jeff, you mentioned vocal and what the vocal should sound like. Talk a little bit about what vocal mic you like to use. I know that's a little bit of a trick question because it depends a little bit on who's on the platform, but... But talk a little bit about all of that, uh, what vocal mic you like and, and why you choose a mic. Yep. So a lot of it is dependent on the singer. Um, for a lot of years, you know, Chris Tomlin was a sure endorsed artist. And so we were limited on our choices because they had to have Sure's nameplate on them. No um, Sennheiser on the stage. 
(laughs) (laughs) which is fine. I mean, I think every artist has some of that. Um, And so we went from, you know, a 58 to a beta 58 to a SM whatever, you know, to, and then the new, when the new stuff started coming out, they would always want us to try a KSM nine. And then, you know, here's this capsule, here's this capsule. Honestly, Chris was always most happy with a beta 58 in his ears. And so part of it for me was it's going to be a lot better if he's happy because if he's happy with his ears and the way his vocal sounds in his head, then I'm going to get a better performance through the PA. So I would always defer to him on that. There were times when we started trying something different and he would try it for a few weeks and liked it. And then all of a sudden didn't like it. And it was, no, we're going back. Um, you know, I think, the good thing about those microphone capsules is that they're affordable. So along those lines of affordability, there's things like the V7 capsule that we use several of those at our church and they've performed really well. Now, initially there was some issues, I think with consistency. Um, some of them didn't all sound the same. Um, and we talked about that some in the MXU podcast a year or so ago. Um, but I think they've really improved. So that's worth a listen to SEV seven. Um, and then the higher end stuff, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of earthworks and DPA and some of those other, you know, more expensive brands. I think they do an incredible job. Um, it really is dependent on the singer. I will say, you know, I'll just give a small plug to our friends at MikeRentals.com. If you're looking for, uh, trying a new mic capsule on your singers, they have a program called bucket of capsules where they'll just send you a bucket of various capsules that you can screw onto your stick and try them out and see what you might like and see how you can maybe have a more informed purchasing decision before you just jump in, you know, without that knowledge. So Uh, I think that's a great thing. Just try some different things. If you have a singer who's um, not sounding as great as you think they should, it could be the microphone. So don't be afraid to experiment and try out some different things. There's a lot of variables. If if you don't use in-ears, I don't know who doesn't use in-ears nowadays, but you know, if you have wedges, it's going to be a different microphone. If you have a loud drumming environment, it's going to be yep. a different microphone. Totally. Um, you have a soft singer, you have a singer that just really belts it out. I mean, it's going to be a different microphone. So it's not a one size fits all, um, you know, deal. Uh, the microphones are very different depending on what your environment is. Um, I'm hearing a lot of good uh, word about the uh, the new Earthworks SR3117. Uh, it's very affordable. Um, we gave one to a local church here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it came back with rave reviews. Uh, so I think that's one that I would push people to check out, that new Earthworks 3117. It's funny that you talk about that, Mike, because we used that at our MXU Live event this year on our two main worship leaders, Pat Barrett and Melody Malone. And it sounded great. I think, you know, the top end was, had a lot of sparkle to it, but it wasn't ever going to take off in terms of feedback, had a nice presence to it, huge dynamic range, a lot of clarity. I really, I really like that mic. And I mean, the price point, I mean, just pulled it up on the website here. It's, I mean, it's like $179. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's not a budget 
icebreaker. Uh, Not at it's, all. it's a really nice microphone. What did you use on Lauren Daigle? Yeah, so she was back and forth from time to time between the DPA de facto and the Neumann 105. So, um, but the thing about her is she's got such a great voice. I mean, she could sing the phone book into a paper bag and it would sound awesome. So I'm, you know, but she does care about what it sounds like in her head. And I think that's, that's kind of a common theme is finding a capsule that people are comfortable with hearing themselves on something that sounds most natural to them in their in-ears does make a big difference. Well, you get a singer like Lauren Daigle that sounds really good naturally. Um, and a lot of churches have those singers. They get up there, they're, they're not Lauren, but they get up there and they sing, you know, you don't have to do a lot of work with them. Right. And so this kind of brings me to my next question, you know, the whole waves thing. You know, I walk into churches and, you know, there's plugins on every channel, multiple plugins. Sometimes that can it can be overused. Sometimes it can be overwhelming. You know, I'm a big believer of if it sounds good, it sounds good. But how does a how does a new church tech they they're coming into this waves environment? How do they how do you simplify this process and be successful? Uh, with waves and with plugins without damaging uh, vocalists up there that kind of has a really nice, natural uh, sounding voice. What's your thoughts behind waves and plugins and getting to that good sound? Yeah, that's a great question. I've been a waves user for a long time. I've been a waves artist for a long time. Um, and I really like their products and tools. I think a couple things I would say a little goes a long way. And it's important to understand what the tool is designed to do before you just over apply it. I think, you know, for example, super rack is their plugin host software and each channel can support up to eight plugins. Well, just because those slots are there doesn't mean that you should use eight plugins. I mean, I would say rarely should you ever use eight plugins on a particular signal. So, um, you know, there are ways though, to enter into waves kind of lightly. Um, in other words, when I started using waves, um, I would think of it as most of my EQ and processing I was going to use on the console, but I would rely on waves for some of my dynamics because that's what I grew up doing in an analog console. You know, we would have our EQ was in line with the channel strip on the desk, alongside our gain knob and our fader, there was the EQ section, but all of our compressors and gates were outboard as inserts. So when I started using waves, I thought, well, let me just rely on the console for EQ, even when it was a digital console, and then go out to waves for some compression, because there were a lot of different kinds of compressors that I could have a color imparted to the signal that was not just a one size fits all stock console compressor. So you could have an 1176 or an LA-2A or any number of other kind of compressor emulations that were modeled after vintage analog gear. And so for me, it was a great way to kind of go, okay, my bass guitar, if I need any EQ, it's gonna be on the console, but I'm gonna put a compressor on it as an insert like I would in the old days with a DBX 160, for example. So let me see if there's a DBX 160 or an 
1176 or one of these other compressors that I can use on my bass and try two or three dB of compression and see what it did. So there are ways to do it without overdoing it. And then as you learn what those tools sound like, because it's really for me, it's like, it's like colors on a palette. Imagine yourself a painter and yeah, you have a color of compression that your console can give you, but then there's also these other colors that you can get outboard in waves. So if you're not satisfied by the color of compression or EQ or other dynamics or effects that you're getting in your console, then maybe there's something in waves that can give you the color that you're looking for. So some of that is experimentation, uh, but I would say, you know, think of it like spices in a recipe. You know, you don't want to just overwhelm everything with curry powder, even though you like curry, too much curry powder in a curry is not going to taste good. It has to be balanced with the other ingredients in the recipe. So think of it as, as spices, think of it as colors, however you want to do it. But subtlety is, is a good approach. I think I like to say to new users who are coming in and you know, when we, when we didn't have the option of waves and it was analog consoles, we had to actually buy our outboard gear. And so we started with nothing and then we would have to actually purchase something that would work for the, you know, what we were trying to accomplish. Right. Waves gives you everything right out of the gate. And so you don't have to bring everything in right away. So if you're a new user, I like to tell them, I'm curious if you agree with this, like start with nothing and see what it sounds like and then add the compressor if it's needed or the outboard multiband or whatever it is. Yep. Um, don't start with those things and then work your way around it. Um, because sometimes just mic technique gets you to what you need it to sound like. Uh, in verses. And if you're using waves to uh, be a band-aid all the time, I mean, there's certain instances when it needs to be used to fix something. Um, but if that is your primary purpose for waves, then you're, you're not really using it like the tool set that it should be used for. So I like to say to new users, hey, start simple and with nothing and then add the pieces that you need on the channel to make it work for what you're trying to accomplish. It's, do you agree with that? hundred percent. In fact, one of the founders of waves, when the very first waves plugin started hitting the streets, he was kind of famous for saying in his approach was put the right microphone in the right place, turn the knob till it sounds good and stop. <laughs> Most people don't stop. And that's the problem. That's how they start digging themselves into holes they can't get out of. So it really is about the source and the microphone. And I tell people all the time, if you have those two things right, then a gain knob and a high pass filter and a fader should be able to get you a really good mix. So if you don't have those key ingredients right to start with, then you always feel like you're behind the eight ball trying to put a bandaid on something like you said, man, I don't want, I don't want plugins to to be my surgery. I want, I want the ingredients to be right in the first place. And then the plugins become the icing. It's really just that last little bit of nuance. It's not, Oh, I have to fix this tone. No, fix the tone before it gets to the microphone. So make sure that your drums are tuned properly. If your drummer doesn't know how to tune drums in your church, bring in somebody who can, it's a massive aspect of the sound of your drums the sticks they use, the tone of the drum itself. 
you know, and then the microphones and making sure that the signal is getting from the microphone to your console without buzzes and hums and clicks and pops. I mean, people who are just kind of running and gunning as a volunteer who don't really understand every aspect of signal flow might have something that's, you know, maybe the mic is turned around backwards. Maybe there's not phantom power when there should be. Maybe there's a, a filter switch on the mic that's engaged that shouldn't be. Any of those things. It's like double, triple check all of those things during line check so that you can maximize what's getting to the microphone, to the console in the first place. Um, we could talk on and on and on about this, but there's, it's, it's a huge issue. It's a huge deal. Yeah. You can buy the best tech in the world. You can buy the best gear. It's still not, it's going to fall on its face if you don't invest in your people. What I like about the whole goal and mission is investing in the person. Uh, if you don't do that, the tech gear doesn't matter. And so I really appreciate what MXU is doing uh, on that front. How do people sign up? How do they get uh, get in touch with MXU? How do they get it? Yeah, so um, honestly, the best way to sort of just become a part of what we're doing and to become a part of the community is to follow us on social. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at MXU Rocks. And then uh, our podcast is obviously free and available to anybody. So just search for the MXU podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And then as far as the platform, um, if you go to our website, which is getmxu.com, you can see all about the features and all about the content and the mission and why we're doing what we're doing. And you can sign up for free. And so we would love for you to be able to just kind of try it out. And um, there are levels of membership that get you different features. Um, but one of the most exciting things, honestly, is um, to have access to our training content, but then to also be able to upload your own content. So if you have, um, and I think Spencer probably talked about this in the demo, but if you have a workflow that is specific to your context, let's say you have a console brand that's not already a part of the MXU platform and your volunteers need training, you can record training videos for your team and upload them to MXU. Or if you have a portable campus where you have a new volunteer who needs to know where all the cases go, you could film yourself setting up your backstage area so that they know that the blue cable goes into the blue plug in the rack that's on stage right, and that never changes. And that's something that I can't teach them, but you can teach them because you can upload your own content to the platform. So things like that are what we're really excited about. We're also excited about other features like onboarding new volunteers through an automation uh, workflow and being able to make assignments of courses in MXU and track everybody's progress through those assignments. So if you have a new volunteer who's maybe needing to get up to speed on ProPresenter, you can prescribe a course on ProPresenter Basics and know exactly where they are in the process of their learning. Then when they show up for in-person training, they already have a feel for how this thing works and what it looks like on the screen and how they can click through slides to be able to apply what they've learned into your context. So those are the kinds of things that we're really excited about is how can we continue to add features that are helpful to the entire team, not just you know provide specific training on specific gear, which we're gonna continue to do, but how can we help the team leader onboard and develop a bunch of people at the same time? 
Yeah, you said two things there. The first one was being able to upload your own content. You can make it specific to your checklist, your console, your environment. I think that is key. It's not just the MXU platform is, although this is helpful, it's not just videos out there for you to learn and watch. It's a path that takes you through those videos and the ability to upload your own content to tie those videos together or to tie it to your own room. The second thing you said is free. If you want to go check it out and see what it's about, go to getmxu.com and check it out for free. I think that is an amazing thing that you guys are offering. You know, obviously the free version um, doesn't have all of the features, but it has enough of a taste for you to understand what MXU is all about. So let me say that again. If you want to better develop yourself, your teams, your leaders, and your techs, make sure you check out MXU at getmxu.com. So that's getmxu.com. So trust me, this online portal will help your techs be better leaders and engineers. Jeff, thank you for coming on the Tech Arts Podcast. Man, thank you so much for having me, David. It's been a pleasure. Well, that wraps things up for today's episode. I can't wait to talk to you on the next Tech Arts Podcast. Until then, I'm David Leuschner signing off by wishing you a great day and praying God blesses every moment of your week. See you soon. You have been listening to the Tech Arts Podcast presented by Digital Great Commission Ministries. DGCM is a 501c3 nonprofit that was started to help churches with all things technical. Whether you need help building a team, finding the right gear, or just a better understanding of the church tech world, DGCM is here for you. Find out more about our free on-site visits, reports, and consulting by going to audiovideolighting.com. Digital Great Commission Ministries will help you run your church service like a pro. Find out more at audiovideolighting.com.